I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Chris, and I'm here to help with the aid of a show that marks the crossroads of pro wrestling past and future. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, a classic NXT review podcast for all you marks who want to get smarter about wrestling and smart fans looking for a reason to mark out again. This episode, we're podcasting for a prize. We're making better lives for ourselves, our kids, our wives, by covering the episode of NXT that originally aired on January 28th, 2015. For real, this has nothing to do with our personal feelings about Sami Zayn. <laughs> We're making these heart eyes for purely mercenary reasons. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 88 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Wrestling Christmas came a month late as Sami Zayn got his takeover match against Kevin Owens, Blake and Murphy got a title shot against the Lucha Dragons, Bailey got a title shot against Charlotte, Becky Lynch got a title shot against Charlotte, <laughs> Sasha Banks got a title shot against Charlotte, Finn Balor won his tournament match for the number one contendership, Hideo Itami won his tournament match for the number one contendership, and the number one contender tournament brackets handed Bull Dempsey the rematch with Baron Corbin that he, and only he, desperately needed. <laughs> this episode, we get to see a couple of those matches that William Regal set up last week. But in a development torn from the pages of Lady Whistledown's match report, our main event isn't a match at all, but a tempestuous couple having a public row <gasps> in front of Lord Regal of all people, a snobby English authority figure who holds sway over both their fortunes. We'll hear all about that in Bob's breakdown. After that, we'll dig into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. We'll also be handing out our Borance Olivier Awards for commitment to the bit. And after that, Megan Bob will take a shot at predicting next week's twist in the ongoing soap opera of NXT in a segment that we call The Next Big Thing. Speaking of which... Yeah. Yeah. How's that going, Chris? Look, it depends on uh, depends on who you are. It depends on which half of the podcast you're sitting on. Over on the sunshine half of the podcast, things are looking a little bleak. <laughs> but for me, over on the grump side, it's a milestone. I lost again. I saw you got a five count on me. Congratulations. That's right. Do you remember what you predicted would happen last week? Oh, probably that Baron Corbin was going to get pinned and still look cool. Yes, that's exactly right. If only we awarded points. For correctly remembering your wrong guesses. <laughs> Alas, we do not. Oh, no, that wouldn't help me either. <laughs> Last episode, Bob tried to predict which event would happen this week from a list of four options, and they chose Baron Corbin finally gets pinned for the first time, but don't worry, there's interference, so he's still a big bad lone wolf. That may or may not be one of the three false decoy big things that Bob has to contend with this season, but in any case, as we now know, it didn't happen this week. What happened this week was Shockingly, rival wrestlers signed a contract for a takeover match. There was no violence, no one broke any tables, and no one crashed the segment to interject themselves into the situation. That means that Bob will have zero points going into the next episode, and also that they have now guessed wrong five times in a row. And so I get my bonus episode. The five count is complete. It's going to be about comic books. Mm -hmm. I know that much. That's something I want to introduce to the podcast, an analogous art form in many ways, superhero comics to wrestling comics. But we've not decided on the details yet, so we'll talk it out. Just know there's a bonus episode coming, and next week we'll be restarting the five count. 
so you will have an opportunity to score a point at last. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll get to that at the end of the episode when we talk about the next, next big thing. But for now, let's jump directly into Bob's breakdown. Our commentary team is Jason Albert, Alex Riley. But Tom Phillips is there, and I like Tom Phillips. <laughs> Tom Phillips is my like Brad Maddox methadone, and I'll take it. Very weak. <laughs> this methadone has been watered down significantly, but I'll take it. There's a little bit of meth left in there, though. Buddy Murphy and Wesley Blake. Please note that those exclamation points are the property of the WWE and do not necessarily reflect my own stance on anything here. You're forgetting the most important member of their team under Freebird rules. The, th the three members of this tag team are Wesley Blake, Buddy Murphy and Wob 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 Wob, Wob who is yes, definitely like the most talented, the most over member of this team. Yeah, their music is like if you spilled a bunch of dark roast coffee on some dubstep mm. and then put it into a washing machine with a dying agitator. <laughs> so I paused it for a moment to write that very sentence and it paused on Blake and Murphy side by side. They are not indistinguishable, but they clearly had the exact same artist. It's like, ah, yes, two men made by the same character creation menus, limited options. Mm. And it's weird because, like, I've seen Buddy Murphy in AEW unfucking mistakable that <laughs> you could not mistake him for somebody else. But here, next to Wesley Blake, suddenly I'm like, I, I don't know. If I'm not paying close attention, I could mistake one for the other, and I don't care for that. This is a deep analogy, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because this is not a role playing podcast. But you know, whenever you're like a first level wizard, uh -huh. And a universal experience. Sure. And you're adventuring with like a first level barbarian or fighter or whatever. Yeah. You just go ahead and buy like a cudgel, like a mace or something, because at first level, like what the fuck is really the difference? I mean, like you've got like two spells. That is the sum of your arcane <laughs> knowledge. But likewise, like after a lifetime of hard scrabble living, the barbarian has like one more base attack bonus than you. So it's like, what the like everybody get a club. At some point, this may just come down to the wizard just like wailing on some guy with a stick. Like it, it truly it does not make a huge difference at this level. That's what's happening here. Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy are two different men, but they are both first, if not zeroth level. And there's just not a lot of difference at this stage. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll stay tuned. The Lucha Dragons come out and the audience is no more thirsty for this than they were for Blake and Murphy. They were a little bit thirsty for Blake and Murphy, but eh. so the NXT trick of just putting the chanting you want to see in the world directly <laughs> into the entrance music is working. But you wouldn't necessarily know that it wasn't a hit until you saw but a scant half cup of wrestling fans doing the Lucha Dragons. Lucha, Lucha arms. Yeah, hurts. It hurts because Kalisto's looking to the crowd in a naked appeal. Like that is how he's gotten anyone to do this chant. And that sucks <laughs> yeah. because he has gotten some people to do it. But a larger portion of fans have looked Kalisto directly in the eye at full sale. The same fans who see him at every taping have looked yeah. Kalisto directly in the eye and be like, no, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, it's it would feel like when you're eating something delicious in front of a pet or a child 
and especially if it's a child that's not your child that you can't give anything delicious to, but the child <laughs> is clearly watching you and you're like, no, you don't understand. I, I just, no, I'm just not doing this. We live in a society and I can't explain to you why this is not going to happen, but it's not going to happen. All right. So it's odd when the ring announcer puts like a little English on it. The crowd kind of warms to it like they're sort of going, oh, yeah, tag team match. But even so, they'd seem generically rowdy, like they were excited just because the substitute teachers here it does not matter what's going on. Mm hmm. Speaking of generically rowdy, Wesley Blake fucks with Sinkara's mask in the opening opportunity of this match. You leave that tired cat man alone. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't want to watch Sinkara wrestle. I mean, I kind of do. But goddamn, do I relate to his perpetual sense of somewhat tattered exhaustion. Are we not all Sinkara here in the year of 2023 <laughs> going like, Fuck. I look, I did the thing, okay? I did the fucking, like, springboard. What more do you want from me? Just put me in a headlock for a while. This yeah. Fine. This needed a referee to just, like, you know, step Buddy Murphy back and just kind of get head-to-head with him and be just like, you know what? He's already dead. Just back off. He, it's... <laughs> Slow down. This tired man, just have a break. In other scene car news... Seen Kara, not a huge dude, but he does deadlift Buddy Murphy to slam him to the mat. And then I was charmed when he sort of like hooked over the top rope to the outside, ostensibly to land on Wesley Blake. But he just sort of like missed Wesley Blake, held hands with him, who was going, oh, fuck. Uh, I'll just throw you into the apron. Room. <laughs> and I was like, this is charming. This is adorable. Buddy Murphy, meanwhile, is about to be lights out from Salida del Sol. Wesley Blake gets back in the ring, shoves Kalisto off Murphy and just dogpiles Kalisto himself as a pin. Okay, Bob, listen, I I truly have nothing but respect for you for skipping almost this entire match in your play by play. Uh huh. But you can't skip the blind tag. That's the whole finish. Oh, is it? All right. Yeah, as a tag team partner, you can't just be like, no, fuck it, I'm going in there and pin somebody. It's Well, I mean, it was an implied blind. I mean, do I need to fill in every blank? Must I show all my work? Well, you do, given that we recently had a match involving the Lucha Dragons where the referee got confused about who was the legal man and they had to redo it. Okay, all right. Well, Wesley Blake is the legal man whenever he shoves Kalisto off Murphy and then pins him okay there you go i've resubmitted my assignment <laughs> do i get the points you get the points it's fine okay yeah thank you <laughs> tired cat bob here like you're half dead going oh god <laughs> all right you've just given the scene car a head scissors to this play-by-play -play. i have god damn it look hey hey people out there we are inching ever closer to me trying to open fucking chips with a goddamn <laughs> spoon. Now, we're not that much closer. I still need nine more of you to, like, force me to do this. But look, is it not worth a dollar, two dollars, whatever, to watch me try and fight? And I'm going to get one of the hearty bags of salt and vinegar chips like one of the ones you can break that open you know you can't even use your dull scissors for that shit 
this is going to be challenging. Listen, maybe listeners don't understand what they're potentially missing out on here because if you think that Bob is going to take five minutes to figure out the efficient way to open a bag of chips with a spoon and do that, you are sadly mistaken. Bob is going to jump right in, is going to make several attempts at a slow pace and then probably start crying. You do not (laughs) want to miss this. It's going to be a disaster. No, I'm going to get backup spoons. I'm going to get more. Look, (laughs) I am going to employ more and more spoons until the bag is forced to submit. Bob is probably going to have to stop. Now we're going to keep the camera running and Bob is probably going to call someone on the telephone and be like, do you know how to open a bag of chips with a spoon? And they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And they're going to be like, no, hold on. Just listen. I don't know how to do it. And I need you to tell me. And it's going to escalate. This is going to be we're going to have to have interview segments with the people who are called during this. It's going to be a whole thing. Don't think about what you would do with a spoon to a bag of chips. Think, (laughs) Think about Think about the meltdown that will ensue as Bob tries to do this for an audience. I truly, it's going to be wonderful. And by the way, I love you, Bob, and I'm so glad that you're not. I'm so glad that you are who you are. The kind of person who would just go, I just want to get high. Why are you making me do this? (laughs) You're the one who agreed to do this. No one is making you do this except you. (laughs) I hate this. And then somebody's going to have to bribe me with donuts in order for mm-hmm. me to keep going. I've got a plan. I've been I've been doing some strategizing. Been playing a little chip spoon like Age of Empires in my head. I've got <laughs> The point is we have new fucking champs, okay? Oh yeah, that's okay? that's right. I forgot. Get back to the goddamn match. Okay. So the two new champions roll around on the mat together in a way that was simultaneously very masculine, very queer. It's delicious. That was the important part. Chris, tell me everything about belts changing hands outside of pay-per-views. I just saw a decisive title match for free. Mm -hmm. Vince McMahon is probably going to come pick my pocket right fucking now. (laughs) Obviously, I'm being manipulated by the carnies in probably a bunch of different ways. I can only suss out some of them help before they fleece me and i'm left only with an airbrush picture of a dolphin a large teddy bear a bottle with sand and some fluff on the top of it when maybe some eyeballs things you can get at a fair i think interestingly what this gets into is the way that this particular brand of carny bullshit is not like being an actual carny in the deal with the devil that vince mcmahon made in establishing his wrestling promotion as like the big American wrestling promotion is that he created a situation where he can no longer pull a lot of old carny tricks, which means one of the things he can no longer effectively do is like kill the town. And so he can't just like throw everything at the wall and then just like, okay, well, we're never coming here again. Like, let's squeeze the last bit of money out of this and let's leave. Mm. He needs the same people to keep coming back every week. And part of that is there's an effective storytelling formula for making sure that like the big things that everybody wants to see, the big decisive moments are the ones you have to pay for. But Mm -hmm. if you follow that formula all the time, people begin to realize that they don't need to watch the part of your product that generates ad revenue to see the story beats. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important that from time to time you switch it up just enough so that people like I think the biggest thing maybe to come out of the attitude era as like the ongoing like the thing that changed wrestling week to week maybe the most was the sense that anything can happen on Monday night. Oh, wow. Makes it into like you have to watch the show weekly. Wow. 
And so every once in a while, a thing like this needs to happen. Every once in a while, it needs to be like the match that is just like the same old shit. Any tag team we can find against the champions because they're not doing anything else. The title needs to change hands. Something needs to happen where you're going to feel like you missed part of the story if you weren't watching the weekly product. I think that's what this is. And I think probably this was the ideal moment for it because (laughs) contrary to what commentary was saying, which we'll talk about later, there are not so many tag teams in NXT. Yeah, no. I think there truly just was not anything left to do with the Lucha Dragons. Like, they're a team that nobody cares about with no competitors who are meaningful competitors to them. So, like, what are you going to do but drop the belt? So now is the time to, like, if it can't be anything else, make it a surprise that it's like a team you wouldn't expect on a show you wouldn't expect. All right. Well, backstage, Bailey has big feelings and Charlotte has big butch energy. I can't believe you pulled shit like that, Bailey. Yeah, well, maybe I've been too nice. Look at Sami Zayn when he got serious. But tonight, we need to work together as a team. Fine. But Bailey, if you pull a stunt like that again, you won't make it to the fatal four-way. So Butch girlfriend Charlotte is criminally underappreciated. I love her very much. Ambiguously backstage, Tyler Breeze doesn't give up fuck that he lost a match why would that be embarrassing you know what's embarrassing being ugly thankfully he doesn't have that problem so he'll just be sitting back and watching this tournament very closely all right chris it appears that we're getting the tightest close-up shot on tyler breeze in an office chair in a soundproof booth probably i think we're meant to infer some sort of bond villain shit all right this is the situation you're GMing some kind of 007 style wrestling RPG. Mm-hmm. Breeze is a villain. What is his lair like? What's on the walls? Any special amenities listed in the brochure? There are two directions you can go here, and it depends on like this very segment that we saw really is like a great example of which of the directions you can go. Because obvious choice is this is his seasonal residence in wherever, you know, he has like <laughs> seasonal residence in a sound booth, you know. He has like somehow a cat that looks exactly like him. He has all these like glamour shots of himself like all over the place. Fuck yes. Yes. He has like a dedicated selfie studio. And that's just like it's exactly what you expect. That's the obvious way to do it. However, I don't know if you noticed, but not only was this like an extremely tight shot of him, like this video that he's doing with his phone. But also, it was an office chair that was not in great condition. Like, no. you could see that it was banged up, which, first of all, makes me wonder what the fuck is happening at NXT. That, like, why is this going on? Because it's hard to imagine <laughs> that they couldn't find a black or otherwise neutral background and one fully intact office chair. Like, this is not a demanding <laughs> vignette that they're asking him to do. So I don't know if this was like he needed to be away for a while and, like, wherever he was, he just needed to, like, bust this out. I, I don't know what was going on. But the other alternative with Tyler Breeze is that he is sort of like a red herring that like it's a misdirect and the real big bad is someone else. And Mm. Tyler Breeze is like not as glamorous as he seems to be like he is presenting that he has all this wealth and all this fame. But then like he has some kind of like 
secret of not being what he's presenting that is how the bigger villain is manipulating him so i think if you track him down uh, and like he's claiming he has this seasonal residence but actually he's living in like a shitty apartment with jason jordan in florida or whatever mm-hmm. and then you find out oh, he oh he's had to do this because otherwise his terrible secret would be revealed by like whoever is the real big bad that would be the other way to go is tyler breeze and and honestly mm-hmm. especially after what we saw with him last week with hideo that like this is not about you like that like the rage at the end of that match that's the direction i would go mm-hmm. because then you get the deeper level after tyler breeze lording it over the player characters for so long once you finally get close to him you get like the real petty angry tyler breeze you finally get to like poke his insecurities and that's a very satisfying moment uh i should have seen this coming also how do you feel about the heel move of why the fuck would i be embarrassed to lose a match fantastic absolutely the right thing to do one of the many many advantages of being a heel you're supposed to be self-deluded you're supposed to be wrong so you don't have to lose your heat just because you lost all you have to do is get out there and be like losing doesn't matter nobody thinks losing matters everything's great i'm like i'm clearly the best everything's fine the things you saw last week you didn't see everything is great and i'm the best people don't have to believe you it still gets you over the fact that you think that in the face of all evidence Match two, Adrian Neville versus Tyson Kidd. This is their first rematch since Kidd was banned from challenging Neville for the championship. Since Miles and I got to watch Tyson Kidd crumple (laughs) as an announcer very loudly said, Tyson Kidd can no longer do jack shit about wanting the title. (laughs) And he's like, oh, my life. So the crowd is chanting before the action even kicks off. And there's real thirst for this technical grapple fest. This is also a chant fest. As you're watching, you can keep catching Neville like glancing at the crowd out of the corner of his eye and smirking a little bit at how much fun the crowd is having as they both cheer for Tyson while chanting Tyson chicken and other stuff. It's very cute. So Kid clubs down Neville and then kicks him hard, pausing for the crowd to appreciate it. The crowd does appreciate it which I guess means that they've been watching like a lot of Total Divas or they're just really super into Tyson right now. And they're just like, eh, we just missed you. We missed you a lot. We've seen a lot of Adrian Neville. And we just like, we just want to hang out with this cat, dad. So they're hot for it. Neville bounces back. Wouldn't maybe not a helpful phrase when talking about Neville as he does not just bounce back. He bounces everywhere. Indiscriminate bouncer, this man. But this time, Kid is outside the ring, awaiting what's probably going to be like a tope of some kind that'll flatten him to the ringside mats or the ramp. But no. Instead, Neville does some extravagant flips before ending with some whoosh, I'm an airplane arms, (laughs) which looks cooler than it should. Mm. But also like he's performing for a four-year-old's birthday party. Chris, the wrestler you would most want to see at a childhood birthday party and i am interested in both the answer you would have as a child and the answer you have as an adult who may i'm sorry to tell you have to attend children's birthday parties in the future okay but i'm gonna answer the last part first because this is a weird answer well i'm terrified now i once heard a story about ivory are you familiar with ivory no ivory was a woman who wrestled for wwe for a long time always is kind of like one of their like middle of the road like we're never going to make her a star but she's a woman who can wrestle so we'll kind of keep her around for whatever the fuck Vince wants to do with the division right now I heard her talking about like just like having fun and like 
flirting with like guys in the crowd at ringside like during matches just because like who gives a shit that's the energy i want from a performer at a children's birthday party like for me now as an adult i don't know if anybody here listening is an mdc fan but if you remember the sexy party clown at the kid's birthday party in the beyond the supernatural episode that i did (laughs) that's what i'm looking i want i want a wrestler who's gonna give me that who's gonna like put on a little bit of a show for the kids but like clearly they're not into their job but then they're gonna like over on the side they're gonna like say something scandalous to me and we can like you know like grown-ups having fun at a kid's party you know like off to the side that's what i would love as a child you know what it's mark henry such a nice guy such a like physically Mm -hmm. impressive guy and feats of strength there's a lot of stuff that it doesn't work on TV. Like I know he Mark Henry has told the story about like how they sometimes would send him out there to like impress people like by like bending frying pans or whatever. And like everybody assumes it's fake because wrestling is fake. And he's like, please believe me. This is a real frying pan that I'm bending in front of you. Mark Henry is immensely strong. Like I want to have Mark Henry at a party and then like watch him like reach under somebody's chair and like lift them up with his arm, which he can totally do. Oh, wow. I want to see that in person. That's so much more impressive in person at a party with like a nice dude who is superhumanly strong than it like you can't make that as entertaining on TV. So I think Mark Henry maybe missed his calling as a as a children's party entertainer. Oh, he'd be really good at it. Yeah, I like that. Think of how many kids could ride Mark Henry at once if he just like held his arms out. Yeah, he could just he's like, like a Totoro. He's like a giant Totoro. Oh, my God, he is. Mark Henry, you're great. Kid is still facing the count out. In order to break that, he just slides across the corner of the mat to break it. It's a real dick move. The count starts over. Neville is looking unimpressed. Kid jumps up into the ring and then just gets back out. The count starts over. Neville is now irritated enough to give chase. Kid throws Neville's face into these solid steel steps. The rest of him also hits the solid steel steps. Such is the curse of having a corporeal form bound by the laws of physics. This is why I am making a bid to live my slouchy NB dream of being a fog in a floppy hoodie. (laughs) The risks of being corporeal are too fucking high, Chris. Too high. I have absolutely no bone to pick with like you deciding to go incorporeal. I think that's a fantastic choice. Fog in a hoodie, extremely on brand for you. However... May I recommend, from a different point of view, you would make a great, like, Ramakushna style. The way Dead Man sees Ramakushna, I think that would be a great look for you. I don't know what any of those words are. Oh, I'll find the thing. Hold on, it's only take a sec. Ah, the wiki is failing me. It does not have this thing. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to get back to you later about this. Okay. Well, I look forward to finding out what my other options are, because, look, there's only so many states other than solid, and I'm looking to branch out. Yeah. Okay. Don't abandon your corporeal form before I talk to you about this, because I, I think you're going to like it. <laughs> this better not be a fucking timeshare, Chris. <laughs> Add WWE Immortals. Chris, what the motherfuck was this? <laughs> I saw Roman Reigns drop a handful of keys in a haunted landscape, <laughs> explode the Undertaker and walk away. Like, I guess it's a Mortal Kombat thing, but that's all I know about it. I think it's their attempt to do like a fantasy fighting game. The only thing about this that I can comment is that if you're 
ever interested in really digging into like weird characters that have appeared in wrestling fighting games, I encourage you to go down this rabbit hole. I just found out this week that in a wrestling game called, I think, Giant Gram 2000, it was like a PlayStation Japan only wrestling game. There is a character okay. called Tiger Erechtheon, who is oh, like wow. Tiger Mask, but not like flesh and blood Tiger Mask, but maybe like the Tiger Mask from the manga. There's a zombie Santino Morella in a wrestling game out there somewhere. What? I mean, everybody knows like Terminator was a recent one. Also, there are in early WWF video games, there is quote unquote yourself, which is like supposed to be you in the game. It's not a creator wrestler mode. It's just it's like the video game is in second person. It's like at the end of the game, Hulk Hogan oh, fights you. Oh. It's nuts. Like the please go out there and explore the weird world of like characters who have made their way into rosters of otherwise real people populated video games. OK, Neville does a proper leap over the top to fell kid on the outside, but still lands in a way that makes everyone go, ah, dang. Ah, we do like that Neville guy, which is impressive considering the extent to which they were all in on kid. The crowd declares this to be wrestling. Hell yeah, it is. Especially the part where Kid just fucks Neville from off the apron with like a drop kick or something. <laughs> Neville goes flying. Neville, never afraid to take an ugly bump. Kid attempts to seduce Neville into the sharpshooter and Neville's like, I don't even think you're a licensed chiropractor. <laughs> Bonks him off the ropes, at which point Kid conveniently melts like his final hit point has been used up. Neville red arrows him for the win and advances in the tournament. More brackets. <laughs> All right, Chris, as a person who appeared with me in the infamous punctuation weird choices episode, mm -hmm. I must ask you to now propose another kind of punctuation to dominate a kind of tournament. <sighs> okay. Is this where you stand M dashes? You're going to have to explain what this means to me exactly because. Oh, I don't know. Because you said another type of punctuation dominated bracket in the way that brackets dominate tournaments with brackets. Yeah. Because those aren't like punctuation brackets. So it's hard to. I don't. I mean, aren't they though? No, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't really know. Like. Fine. Really? Because I feel like they're, do they not put them in brackets just to like, you know, keep the names tidy? So that way the letters don't wander off and get lost like sheep. Is that not why they call it a bracket tournament? It's like you're asking me, okay, what if sandwiches were made not with bread, which is to say money, but another root <laughs> of human evil? And like, I don't know, like... You don't want to go on this Dadaist <laughs> journey with me? Chris, freestyle some kind of punctuation tournament for me. I mean, you were talking about the M-dash. I think the anarchy of the way that the M-dash is employed, what that makes me think of is like the couple of occasions in WCW where things got so fucking nuts in a match that it like, Truly, nobody understood what the rules were of what was happening. Like, <laughs> I remember this happened. This is, this is a dim recollection. But like there was at some point, like I think a Macho Man and, and Hogan in like a gauntlet match with like multiple cages or something. And like there was no way for the other quote unquote team to win. Like there were no win conditions. It was just like this is just like a drama that is playing out. And the entire pretense of the match has been dropped such that like there's a referee here. But like, like there's no way for 
these people to win. It's just people are just <laughs> fighting and there's a wrestling ring there. That to me feels like if you were to explain it, you would use a lot of M dashes because that way okay. you don't have to give it the sense that grammar implies. It's like Ric Flair, Zodiac, Yeti, Earthquake, M dash, Hogan and Macho Man exclamation mark. <laughs> no verbs, because as soon as we have to put verbs in, now we're making assertions that we can't back up about what the fuck is happening. <laughs> Somebody picks up a verb, they're like, oh, no, put that down, mm -mm, put that mm -mm, back. Mm -mm. Sorry, we're not insured for that around here. <laughs> Backstage, Sasha knows Becky is going to help her win at TakeOver. Obviously, of course she will. Sasha walks off. Becky says, oh, I'm going to do the right thing all right, and walk out the NXT Women's Champion. <laughs> so prepare for some domestic strife. <laughs> this is the promo I want to see. Tag team partners, but they're going to be in a match against each other. The senior one, right, is like, yeah, we're going to be against each other, but I know I can count on my little buddy here to do the right thing. Oof. And then they walk off screen. And then little buddy is like, we'll see about that. And then the other one immediately runs in and clotheslines and was like, I knew you were going to talk shit the minute I walked away. <laughs> that would be fun. Backstage, our current tag team champs still don't have a name. They may never have a name. I don't really know what happened. But they're very happy and they're happy to fight the Lucha Dragons whenever, I guess, or to fight anybody whenever. So that's nice for them. Mm. This tag team, I don't think they are going to get a name. Just Blake and Murphy. We should get no, we should give them like a like a portmanteau name. We should give them a combined because it's Wesley Blake. Blurfy. <laughs> Blurfy. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Blurfy is pretty good. Yeah, we're not going to get better than Blurfy. Blurfy it is. <laughs> hashtag blurfy <laughs> all right match three sasha and becky versus charlotte and bailey the match is gonna go fine right i mean it's not like there hasn't been a gothic novel's worth of foreshadowing that betrayal <laughs> is imminent it's probably gonna be okay well you'll be shocked simply shocked to learn that this match is about storytelling. So while there are some moments worth noting, it's also worth noting that we're building to a pretty specific finish for takeover reasons. So keep that in mind. Charlotte fucks around with Sasha, who doesn't like it and screams a lot. Bailey tags herself in. Bailey roughs up Becky, who then downs her and hits her in the face with like head banging hair. Question mark? <laughs> like she's doing the head whip thing. But I'm not going to fully do because I don't want to die. <laughs> but it's like slapping Bailey in the face with her hair. I don't know if we can keep this in the final episode, but I'm just going to say it because this is the vibe that I get. Becky Lynch at this era of NXT looking for her character. <laughs> it feels like a gay girl trying to pretend she knows what boys like. Oh, yeah. She's just she's bent over just doing what I, it's like this, right? Like this is like this is it. This is. Yeah. No, like I, I'm, I'm whipping my head around this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. OK. <laughs> Cosmo said, what the fuck? <laughs> Sasha does big, sarcastic hula hoop. Woo! That was very funny before targeting the knee of Bailey. Sasha Banks knows what the fuck boys like. It's night and day. <laughs> Becky helps with the knee fuckery. Charlotte figure four is Sasha, who screams about that. 
Becky tries to break it up. Sasha neckbreaker Charlotte going for a pin, but Bailey breaks that up, but bonks Charlotte in the process. Oh, fucking no. No, bonks are unforgivable in wrestling. <laughs> Charlotte shoves Bailey. <sighs> Becky and Sasha rush to get involved, and the ref is feverishly doing the YMCA to try and bring order to the situation. But one ref, one ref is not enough. The bell goes. This is no DQ. The match is thrown out. It means nothing. All it means is these people cannot be kept apart. They're going to tear each other to pieces. Eventually, they have to get more refs out there, because if you're trying to bring order via dance, you need a lot more than one ref. It eventually takes three. Chris, if you were going to use dance moves to restore order to chaotic moment, what do you think would be most effective? Does not have to be you personally. I'm not going to say that. Mm -hmm. Let you are the weird branch of the government question mark. You have a crack team of backup dancers that you can call to infiltrate and diffuse situations where it feels appropriate. <laughs> As in when you determine those, what is their silver bullet? I'm flattered that you think I know the name of a dance move. I truly do not. I mean, you know what the Macarena is. I thought you were just going to say the Macarena. Oh, that's not a move, though. That's a whole dance. Yeah, but like, that's fine. Oh, it's a, like a, just a whole dance. And I'm diffusing a tense situation, taking a page from pro wrestling. In fact, if you want to get the crowd under control and like take the situation back, it's not like you do dastardly heel shit. You grab a headlock mm -hmm. and you teach the crowd like you're batting them in the nose like a bad dog. You're like, OK, well, if you continue to fuck around, you get this. Like, try me. I will do this for five goddamn minutes. So what you want is not like a big dance that hits right away. You want to dance where it's like you're setting a pace mm. and you're demanding. And so I'm going to suggest the tighten up. OK, I don't know what that is, but, I, but you know, the tighten up okay. from the tighten up. I don't know. The base doesn't come in right away. You got to wait for it. I don't know. And so I think doing a dance where there's no base at first, then you got to wait for like the base to come in. That resets the crowd. You can't you can't like all the instruments coming in one at a time narrated. Mm. It, the Titan up might be able to stop a shoot riot. <laughs> it's too engaging. Ooh. Oh, all right. All right. Backstage, Finn Balor is a lot taller than Devin. So he's towering <laughs> over her. He's also not worried about his match with Atami, but he does have a lot of respect for him. Atami interrupts to say, I brought you into this promotion. And I'll take you out if I got a bruh hot. Number one contender bracket. Bull Dempsey versus Baron Corbin. Now, Chris, hmm. you requested a court transcript somewhere in this from ChatGPT. ChatGPT was going, do you know that wrestling is not a courtroom situation? <laughs> and I was like, chat GPT, can you throw me a fucking bone? And sometimes it would produce something, but it kept like going off the rails and making stuff. And I'm like, this does not reflect anything that happens. This is just like you free associating now. So finally, I just said, you know what? Clearly there are limits ai is not yet ready to take over <laughs> ai is not quite there yet so what i have here instead is this haiku that reflects what this match was about chris if you would please share it with our audience okay oh no this doesn't have a like it doesn't have a semicolon or an m dash or anything 
what what are we doing here is that a problem yeah it is are they supposed to <laughs> yeah there's there's a yeah okay i will proceed with chat gpt's oh, yeah here we go titans clash again dempsey falls to end of days corbin moves ahead <laughs> nice oh man somebody's getting a free espresso at the coffee shop do you do haikus at like the that oh i would hope not but you know i mean we're living in this world where <laughs> this, this is in any way anything so sure let's dream big backstage the painful awkwardness of watching bull dempsey have to tell corbin you got lucky you're out of your damn mind if you think that's gonna happen again and then get pie-faced silently pie-faced and then corbin walks off fuck just god damn oh, let this poor man out of this feud i know i know chris famously a fan of watching a bit of humiliation <laughs> even this is beyond that you know i mean i'm not gonna say like Here's the problem. I don't think these are hot men for it for me. Like for my <laughs> that is the oh, if they were, they'll be different. One hundred percent. Imagine. Oh, my God. Imagine that in the Corbin role, you have Charlotte mm -hmm. and in the Bull Dempsey role, you have like it wouldn't even be Bailey, but like it would be like Sasha, maybe more like a Becky Lynch or more like a, I'm trying to think of like who's the wrestler right now who you'd put in that role like one of the people we saw in aew you know like somebody who's good but and who's like putting mm. out like tough but also doesn't seem like they're on charlotte's level mm. to me that pie face that could be super hot but it just needs to be the right people with the right vibe mm. this is too sad to be hot <laughs> oh imagine this is cesaro and Sami Zayn. oh it makes you mad fuck. but you still could get it up for like oh this oh pisses me off but i yeah I can get hard for this in anticipation of the blow off. <laughs> this is the, my reward for understanding wrestling. Oh my fucking God. All right. Contract signing. Regal makes it crystal clear that this contract signing is not going to be like every other contract signing in the WWE. The audience is sort of like, ooh, shots fired, but also like, ah, what? <laughs> Sammy gets to sign the contract and Kevin, who stalks to the ring like he's going to finish a hit that's taken longer than he planned, thinks about signing. Sammy gets on the mic, goes off about how Kevin fucked him over and why did he do that? Kevin then refuses to sign the contract, saying it's not a championship match. He doesn't want the match. He doesn't care about fighting Sammy, just wants the title and the career advancement that it represents that is simultaneously awful and incredibly hot. The it's not personal match, but it's incredibly personal, deeply personal, but it's not personal. But it's completely and entirely <laughs> personal. Sammy begs Regal to give in and make it a title match. And I guess someone ate all their vegetables this week because <laughs> Regal relents and amends the contract. So now they can fight it out over the belt on February 11th at TakeOver Something. <laughs> TakeOver Something. Catch the fever. Kevin signs it and then tosses the pen in Sammy's face before leaving a fuming Sammy to be held back by William Regal. Hot. 
And that was the episode. Yeah, da, 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 episode. Thank you for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode overall? Fuck, man. Neville and Kit are so goddamn good. Yeah. That match was amazing. I mean, like, there was a lot of good wrestling. There was a lot of great wrestling. It's starting to feel like polished, real NXT, which is kind of bizarre. Because I'm like, where's the weird Bo Dallas bullshit? This is weird. My house didn't used to look like this. But fuck, that and um, Kevin Owens just is such a different tone to the entire thing. Nobody else is doing what Kevin Owens is doing. It's a pretty narrow period where we have like the overlap of all the things that to me define like the golden age of NXT of this period. And what we have here is like a top of the card with absolute can't miss talent. Like you've got people here who you can put any two of them in a match together and you're going to have a fantastic wrestling match. But you can also have a show that is main evented by a contract signing and the storytelling and the character development is enough to to carry that through. You've got a women's division now that is just finding its feet where it's like carried by Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Becky. You now have like the nucleus of something where you can have great women's matches, ongoing women's storytelling without it being a vehicle for one person. It truly is the division that is the star. You combine that with like Regal as GM, like fantastic pay-per-views, and still enough kind of weird shit happening that like there's a break in between killer indie style wrestling matches like mm-hmm. and Kevin Owens coming in as like an extremely believable, scary monster heel who seems like a different guy from everybody else. That is. Yeah, yeah this is this is to me is like it's a short period where it's all of that overlapping. But while we have it, it is fantastic. Some of my favorite wrestling ever. I guess it's time now to move on to the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, what did your elf eyes see in this episode? Sammy Zane, the serious Muppet. Mm. I've been thinking about the Muppets a lot lately. Mm, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I'm on a hiring committee, so you can understand why I'd be thinking about the Muppets all the time. You know, like you're trying to understand, like, how do you make good choices about getting to know somebody? And naturally you're like, well, do, do they grok the Muppets or not? Do they, which Muppet? In many cases, it doesn't really fucking matter which Muppet, but like, do they feel strongly? You know what? It would be a great interview question. You have to pick unpopular Muppets for this. But what you do is you say like, would you say that you're more of a order Muppet like Sam Eagle or a chaos Muppet like the Mad Bomber? Mm. Because you don't have a good option there. Your gut level pull toward one or the other is going to come out. Wow. It's a very, a very telling answer. Wow. You told me at one point you were going to tell me whether or not I'm a chaos Muppet or an order Muppet. I do not know yet, but at some point I need to find out because I was told that Muppeteers talk about this in very serious terms and like, no, no, it's not what you think it is. It's deeper than that. I would invite the listener to weigh in on this based on what you know about Megan Bob, Chaos Muppet or Order Muppet. 
I mean, look, Chris is a stand for the Muppets Wiki, so <laughs> check that out as well. But no, Sammy Zane the serious Muppet, and it is, I think, like he's doing serious stuff. But the thing that you've, because you've mentioned, you know, the Sammy Zane has that sweet little Muppet face whenever he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. in the match card. But then you see Kevin Owens come up, and it's like the contrast is so bizarre. And so powerful because it doesn't matter how serious Sami Zayn is. He's a Muppet. And you're like, oh, but this man is an actual serial killer. Yeah. Oh, but he's tasted human blood many times. But that is so powerful because think about like, imagine Kevin Owens with a steel chair beating Kermit to death. It makes it worse that he's a Muppet. You take it more seriously. You're like, someone stop this. Kermit has made a serious miscalculation. It's your responsibility as a referee to get in there because I don't want to see this look in Kermit's face. Yeah, no, you're exactly. It is powerful that he looks like a Muppet. Like, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. It is why the El Generico thing, like, even with a mask, he was a Muppet. If not, maybe more Muppety in some ways. He pulls at you in a different way. And I think in a weird way, even his heel work, he remains on the Muppet spectrum, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is very bizarre. Muppet people are great. I love Muppet people. They're very important. They need to be protected. I agree. Oh, what are your (laughs) off I see? I saw... Yeah, so you didn't do a lot to summarize the title match that we saw for the for the tag team championships, and that's totally right. That's totally correct. However, as I mentioned, there's this blind tag, right? I don't need your approval, but thank you. Okay, well, it's a good thing too. The <laughs> I think the blind tag is one part of it, right? So it's like Wesley Blake gets the blind tag. I love the way too that he like creeps into the ring. He he knows that Kalisto didn't see the tag, and so he like gingerly like sneaks into the ring to go grab that that pin. So it's like a misdirect finish. The other key thing is that Sinkar is not there to make the save, right? That's why this works. That's why the titles change hands because Sinkar is not there to make the save because of the vicious bump he just took. That is what I saw. I saw it's exactly it's the one thing you called out. He jumps out of the ring. I think maybe the spot is supposed to be like Buddy Murphy, like blocks his arm drag or his whatever. But it gets fucked up. And the way that Sinkara takes this impromptu bump into the apron truly is indistinguishable from someone voluntarily entering a wrestling ring. Like the finish of this match and the title changing hands depended upon Sinkara being incapacitated by something that it is what you do to just go in a ring. It's like if the finish of a match were like somebody missed a stomp and then got pinned off it, like while they were selling missing the stomp. It's like, I see that that isn't what you wanted to happen. Like you wanted to stomp them and you didn't. But also that's very close to what happens when you just walk to a place like that should not be enough for you to lose the titles. If you're ever going to like redo a spot or like insert a part in a match, have the titles change hands on like, oh, my tummy, like gently into the apron of the ring. No way I can wrestle anymore tonight. Baba, what did your Vulcan ears hear? A night like our evolution when you finally arrived and I finally arrived that you would do that. Mm. I sent you that article. This is ours. Yeah. That myth wrote. And I'm very excited. It is WrestleMania Eve here as we record. I was going to say about like all. I don't know. Hang your boots. But OK, look, we're moving on. Yeah, no, no. It, that is the tradition. You hang your wrestling boots 
on the eve of WrestleMania, <laughs> and then Vince McMahon will put them in the main event and then fire them no more than a month later. <laughs> but Myth talked about how they always talk about belts like even singles titles that they've held as like ours and the experience of coming to WWE as like ours and so I was really struck by the fact that he's saying like when you finally arrived I wasn't here until you were here mm -hmm. because you are so part of who I am fuck their creative relationship is so goddamn beautiful it is so powerful and it is such a fucking gift to get to see it live on that biggest stage. And I'm talking about like NXT and like now main roster, now part of WrestleMania, largely untouched because they've had a lot of creative control over how their interpersonal relationship has been portrayed. And that's fuck you know who gets to have that kind of control over your character nobody that's who yeah that's amazing it reminds me a little bit of like there was a weird like a weird moment over the past year or so i forget exactly when this happened but like over the course of i guess a couple of nights i read all of robinson's starman series it's this weird little cul-de-sac it's like a really well-regarded comic book series that is deeply tied into dc continuity but i think everybody understood that it's like hands off this because this is so specific and so about these characters that like it's not big enough that we're eventually going to loot it anyway like you know watchmen or, or sandman or whatever but it's also like it's just really good and very specific and kind of like small and beautiful and like let's just let these characters have their story and not fuck it up i sort of feel wow. like sammy and kevin are the same way where it's like this is such a specific thing between these two men that transcends their promotion it transcends an individual storyline and there's nothing of value to you to steal here. There's no reason to get into this and start trying to dress them up in like elaborate costumes or like, you know, do whatever you're like, insert your, you know, golden boy, whoever for your promotion into this and try to get them over with it. It just won't work. It is just these two guys doing what they do. It is its own value. It is its own like emotional power. And if you have half a wrestling brain, you will put them on your show and let them do it and not fuck it up. Yeah. And yeah, it truly it is. It, it's kind of a singular thing. Go read This Is Ours. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Chris, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Alas, Alex Riley. Alex fucking Riley making oh. commentary unlistenable this episode. That's why I didn't listen. This is some of the worst commentary I have ever heard. Alex Riley, my God, I was mad. You know I was mad because I checked the time codes. At 2.20... <laughs> Into the episode, Jason Albert makes a throwaway comment asking if the Lucha Dragons feel disrespected about, he, in not so many words, facing like a jobber team for the titles. Three minutes later, Alex Riley is still needling Jason Albert about this, saying, Jason Albert, oh, so you wouldn't play Drew Locke because he was a rookie and blah, blah, because blah, blah, blah. Alex Riley still on about this at the end of the match at eight minutes. Still picking on this is a throwaway line in commentary about nothing, getting no one over. Alex Riley is under the misapprehension that his job on commentary is to win fights for real with Jason Albert. And it is 100 percent not. It, this is the worst improv. <laughs> this is like the first thing the guy like you're doing dumbass improv. And like one guy's like improv like I'm sweeping the floor. And then the other guy comes in and is like, oh, you that's bad sweeping technique. You're missing something. 
and is still on about it like 10 minutes later when the scene is ending is still like no fuck you like you that is not how you sweep it's like jesus man like <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything what is your problem you don't get a prize if you win the fake argument yeah it's weird the entire match a title change the entire match commentary is pointless arguing by alex riley about nothing he calls it back later by the way in the show just humorlessly picking on one irrelevant thing for the entire segment oh and by the way his little like his burn on jason albert like oh so you wouldn't play drew Locke because he was a rookie i know nothing about football Mm-hmm. But I thought this is from 2015. Since I know Alex Riley to be a shithead who's wrong about everything, let me just see where Drew Locke is. Let's see like how he was doing in 2022. The answer is he is a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks who was not played because he sucked in the preseason. knowing nothing about football except the fact that there is a man named drew lock and alex riley supports him i knew he would suck and lo and behold (laughs) fucking sherlock holmes over here going like okay that i have all the evidence i need to like commentary oh my god and it wasn't just alex riley either commentary all night across the board so goddamn bad To bring up like Jason Albert does this during this first match. He's like, you know, we've just got so many tag teams here in NXT, this division. It's like, don't bring up the fact that there are like three tag teams. Don't bring up the fact that you're making Blurfy the tag team champions because (laughs) you are you are just running out of people to hold these belts. Like the fans won't stand for the Lucha Dragons sleepwalking their way through this title reign anymore. But you are out of people. Okay, saying that Wesley Blake, someone said that Norman Smiley said that Wesley Blake was like the best sort of like pure athlete he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Horse shit. <laughs> I don't know what Norman Smiley said, but I do know that one of his first things he did in the performance center as a trainer was work with fucking Dolph Ziggler and Tyson Kidd. Mm-hmm. And I happen to know that they held a combine at the performance center and Wesley Blake did not perform that well. What the fuck are you? Look at Wesley Blake. You want me to believe that a man with a storied <laughs> career in wrestling, that's the best athlete he's ever seen is Wesley fucking Blake. Ludicrous. Oh, man. You were like coming for my man. <laughs> my like my boy, Norman Smiley with this slander. Uh, it just top to bottom. Almost everything is perfect in this era of NXT. And it kills me that so many great things are marred by some of the worst wrestling commentary ever. Bob, but what did your human heart feel? How fucking rad Tyson Kidd is. I just really missed watching him wrestle. I missed it a lot, and I hadn't realized how much I'd fucking missed it until I was watching it and going like, yes, Ah, so good. Yeah, it was great. No, I need more of him. I hope he comes back and does something Again, like immediately. I need it. Kid is great. What'd your human heart feel? I mean, everything surrounding Sammy and Kevin at this stage is is just gold. But to pick a moment and that I think is special because it is a rare moment of like understatement, a rare moment of subtlety in wrestling. I love the fact that Sami Zayn looking like with his full, you know, the fury of a serious Muppet does this whole like, are you going to stand there and act like the last 12 years never happened? Mm-hmm. And the way that he like addresses that specifically and furiously to Kevin Owens and then Owens just looks away from Sammy and talks to Regal for the rest of the segment. It is so pointed. It, like It's better than anything you could say to a baby face to hurt them is to let them cut a like vicious, like vulnerable, heartfelt promo on you. 
and then just slowly look away from them and refuse to talk to them and just leave it hanging. Like, I'm not even going to say I'm going to pretend the last 12 years never happened. You're just you asked me that. And it's like nothing. Just leave you hanging. Sami Zayn is not worth talking to. This isn't about him. The fact that Kevin Owens gets that to read is so impressive. This thing is so amazing. They both are. They're fantastic performers. We're almost done with this episode of NXT. But before we move on, it's time to award our Lawrence Bolivier Awards for commitment to the bit. Bob, who gets your Lawrence Bolivier Award this week? Kevin Owens. In particular, the finger tapping. I really liked the finger tapping at the beginning because there was a nice shot, kind of like a bit of a low angle. You kind of like see just his fingers tapping. Unless I made that up. I don't think I made that (laughs) up. But if I did make that up, that's what they should have done. But look, he was definitely tapping his fingers. Also, when he threw the pen. Yeah. It was so casually childish. Just like, eh. I'm not doing this because I even like, it is one percentage point more interesting to do this to you than to not. it's the biggest fucking power move because of the way that this was set up. Like, I appreciate the fact that they foregrounded this by saying that, you know, Regal says if anybody touches anybody, it's off. We're not going to have a fight breakout here. This provocation from Kevin Owens, it's like the confidence of that when Owens, his entire like everything he's done here, at least in his account of this, everything here is about getting the title. This is the fastest possible track to the title. And to throw this at Zayn is like, if you give me a receipt for this right now, if you come over and punch me right now, I lose my shot, but I won't because you need emotional resolution to this more than I need the belt. And I know that so I can just fuck with you. Yeah. (laughs) Who did you choose for your Lawrence Bolivier? I went with Adrian Neville because I think Adrian Neville had a difficult and subtle job to do here. He's Mm -hmm. like out of the spotlight now. He's no longer like the main storyline of NXT. But he's still doing his thing. And I think he's doing a very subtle job of like the guy who has suffered a big setback. He's trying to keep himself on an even keel. He's out here trying to convince himself of something and not let failure get in his head. This was the perfect moment for him to take on Tyson Kidd. And I wish that we had had commentary that could pick up on it because this was such the like the perfect exchange between Adrian Neville as like, I'm not going to show a crack in the armor. I'm not going to change my game plan. I know what I do. I know what works. If I keep being Adrian Neville, I'm going to get that title back. I'm not going to go into a tailspin about this, which we also saw in his rematch with Zayn versus Tyson Kidd, who is a talented wrestler who is also like the most frustrating competitor. He is that person who like does everything in a competition with you to make you angry, to make it not fun for you, to make you impatient, to make you hate him, because that's part of the strategy is to make you make a mistake. And the person who legitimately takes joy in that, like that is the most kind of frustrating person to have a competition with is someone who just like loves emotional confrontation and is just like relishes the opportunity to get ahead in the competition by just getting on your last nerve about everything, just like finding your emotional weak point and pushing it. And the way that he is like taunting Zane here, the way he's like denying him, the way that he's like rolling in and out of the ring, breaking up the count, the way he's like the cockiness, it's perfect. It's like Adrian Neville trying so hard to hold it together. And Kid is just like the perfect competitor to just like pick at him. I think Adrian Neville is doing a fantastic job of playing that without like 
overplaying it. Yeah, I was very impressed. With that, we've finished up this contract signing main event, which is, you know, in a testament to everyone, it feels not unsatisfying at all. It's like the wrestling on this show is great, but also the contract signing was like, I was hungry for it. I wanted this beat in the story. Uh, I feel yeah. very good about this episode, but it's behind us now and it's time for us to see if Bob can predict the next big thing. This episode, Sami Zayn and KO signed a contract for a takeover match with no violence, no broken tables, and no one crashing the segment to interject themselves into the situation. In your defense, Bob, no one could have guessed that outcome. I felt bad <laughs> giving it to you as an option. We're now eliminating it from your list, placing it with a new option. So as always, you have four options for the next big thing, the thing that will happen next episode, including the three carried over from last time that are still on your list, and one new one. They are A. A championship match is so one-sided that it ends and the championship changes hands on a referee stoppage. B. Baron Corbin gets pinned, but don't worry, there's interference, so he's still a big bad lone wolf. C. An indie star makes their debut by beating the shit out of CJ Parker. Or D. Kevin Owens gets so sick of Alex Riley's shit that he hucks him over the commentary table in a moment almost cathartic enough to be worth the feud that ensues. Hmm... I think C or D, but you've got me feeling D real good. So I'm like, okay, I just, I just want it. <laughs> Trusting in your heart as always. Like this is the future you want. Kevin Owens gets so sick of Alex Riley's shit that he just hucks him over the commentary table. I mean, it's what's right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's your guess. And we'll see you next time if that is what happens. All that remains is for us to say goodbye and to direct our listeners over to the Patreon where they can check out this episode's In Your Pod to get a little extra content and an update about what's happening with the show on this, the week that they are listening to it. Yeah, we have a bunch of them up there now. So if you haven't been checking those out, you're missing out on a bunch of weird, fun stuff. It has been so fun recording the In Your Pods with you. It's actually been like really nice to it's fun to do NXT and then to switch over to like a different product from a different time and have like a different kind of yeah. conversation. Yeah, the, I, I'm glad we, we made this decision because the In Your Pods have been super fun. Absolutely. Yes, they're delightful. And we get to go on some weird little you know, tangents about asses and other stuff. Very different from the main product, like, you know. Yeah, extremely distinctive. I think that's it. Unless there's anything you want to cover, I think it's time for you to say, yeah. Are you going to keep doing this even though Ascension is off the show or do you want to pick a new thing? <gasps> They're off the show? I mean, they'll be around, but I think we haven't seen them for the last time. But yeah. Well, for now, a defiant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the NXT Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for his theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook at the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Chris on Twitter at MegaDumbCast and Megan Bob at MeganBobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. 
they're the best. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.